listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church Building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Reading from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. Let's hear God's word. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. This is God's word. Um, How something begins is always significant. We know that when it comes to watching a movie. We might switch it off if the beginning puts us off. We might not choose to persevere with a TV series if we're not interested by the pilot episodes. There might be several books on your bookcase at home with a bookmark fairly near the start because what you read early on didn't draw you in. Beginnings are significant. Uh, And beginnings were significant for Luke when he was writing and compiling his gospel. You'll know that if you've studied Luke's gospel. And what we have here in our passage in chapter 5 is the beginning of mission. That is, the beginning of mission for God's people now that Jesus had come. And just as the pilot episode of a TV series or the first chapter of a novel introduces us to the key characters and themes that we're to then expect throughout the series or the book. Uh, This passage introduces us to some key features that we need to understand if we're going to understand mission rightly, our mission. I'm going to look at three things to do with mission this afternoon. What it is, how we do it, and why it's possible. First of all, what it is. This passage is all about mission because it's all about the commissioning of Simon Peter and James and John too to be fishers of men. It's a straightforward passage for us to follow. Jesus 
has begun to teach in synagogues and various other places. And he started to draw quite a crowd of people eager to hear him. And when he's down near this lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, he gets into one of Simon's boats, presumably so that he can teach a little bit more effectively to more people because he's sat on the boat on the edge of the water and people are able to spread out and hear him better. And when he finishes teaching, he asks Simon to sail out into deeper water and to let the fishing nets down. Simon explains that they've been fishing there all night, which would have been the best time for fishing, excuse me, in deeper water. And yet they'd caught nothing. But he takes Jesus at his word and he lets the nets down and he and his business partners catch a huge number of fish. Simon Peter falls at Jesus' feet. He asks him to leave. But Jesus responds by saying to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And the episode ends with them bringing the boats back back in. (coughs) Excuse me. Leaving and following Jesus. Excuse me. It is an incredible event, isn't it? But the focal point isn't this great miraculous catch of fish that Jesus orchestrates. Instead, the focal point is Simon Peter's calling, his commissioning. The climax of the event is when Jesus says to Simon Peter, from now on, you will be catching men. And Bible commentators point out that this passage, it resembles passages in the Old Testament when God commissions people for certain tasks. Uh, The pattern is that God reveals himself to the person, the person is afraid, and God sends them out. He commissions them. So we read in Exodus 3 that God appears to Moses in the burning bush. Moses hid his face because he was afraid. And the Lord then sends Moses to Pharaoh to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. It's similar in Isaiah chapter 6, another famous passage. Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on his throne with his glory filling the temple. And Isaiah responds by saying, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And the Lord, in response, sends Isaiah as a prophet to his people. Let me come to Luke chapter 5, and Jesus reveals something of who he is to Peter in this miraculous catch. And Peter says to Jesus, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus responds, do not be afraid, from now on you'll be catching men. He commissions him, he sends him out. And so here is Simon Peter's commission. He's to be a catcher of men, a catcher of people. What does that mean? Well, uh, in trying to understand what it means, we need to be careful not to push the analogy that, that Jesus is using here too far. Um, when me and my sisters were growing up, we would sometimes watch, I think on an old videotape, uh, a film called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It was a Roald Dahl film, uh, and Dick Van Dyke starred in it. Uh, but there was a character in the film called the Child Catcher, and he would go around with his net... And he would try and capture children in his net and take them away. It was a very strange film for parents to let their children watch. Um, Many nightmares on the back of it, I'm sure. Um, But if if we push the analogy, we might start to think of Peter's commissioning here in slightly sinister terms. We might start to think that he is sent to go and catch people. 
in the same way that Roald Dahl's child catcher went about catching people. After all, aren't fish taken against their will? Isn't the outlook for fish somewhat bleak once they're caught? But to interpret it that way would be to make the mistake of pushing the analogy too far. Jesus here is simply, and yet memorably, drawing a link between Simon Peter's now former occupation, he was in the fishing business, and this new role that Jesus sends him out with. He used to catch fish, now he will catch people. He once gathered in fish, now he will gather people into God's kingdom. In fact, the word for catch here, the, the word for catching, it means to catch alive or to let live. It's a word that, that carries a sense of rescue. Uh, Daryl Bach, one commentator on Luke's Gospel, he writes that God is in the business of saving humanity and some will help him in the catch. And that's what's going on here. What is this mission? It's a rescue mission. And I want us to note one thing about the nature of this rescue mission. I want us to note there's a change of dynamic taking place here. Uh, It wasn't the case that prior to this moment, God's people were without a mission. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God's people very much did have a mission. They were commissioned people. They were to be a light to the nations around them. Uh, The nations were to look at Israel and be drawn to God. Israel's faithful worship of God was to gather others into God's kingdom. The difference we find here in the commissioning of Simon Peter and the apostles is that the mission for God's people is no longer to remain and to draw in, but it's to go out and to gather. Jesus says, from now on, you'll be catching people. That is to say, from now on, you'll be going out and gathering and rescuing. Theologians who study the subject of mission sometimes describe this difference in dynamic by using two mechanical terms. And so in the Old Testament, the dynamic of mission, they say, was a a centripetal dynamic. Uh, That's a dynamic that moves towards a center. Uh, The nations were to be drawn to Israel in the Old Testament, to, to be drawn into the center. But in the New Testament, from this point on, the dynamic of mission is a centrifugal dynamic, they say. That means God's people now, they move out. The force moves out from the center. God's people move out from the centre to the nations. That is to say, the church is now to go out, to move out, to move towards the nations. And we don't wait for the nations, for for unbelievers, for non-Christians to come to us, but we go to them. Christianity, then, we need to make sure we understand It is evangelistic. We don't only wait for people to come to us and to start asking questions about the gospel, but we go out to people with the gospel and we call on people to believe the gospel. That's what mission is. Secondly, how do we do it? How are we to go about this rescue mission, this gathering in of people into God's kingdom? Well, Specifics, details need to be left to different cultures to work out. We can't be overly prescriptive when it comes to models for reaching out with the gospel. Different models are more or less fitting from place to place and from time to time. 
But the Bible does give us certain principles that ought to shape us in mission, in reaching out with the gospel. And there's one principle that we see here in this passage, and it's this. It's humility. Humility. As we go about the church's commission to reach out to the nations with the gospel, we're to do so in humility, with a humble view of ourselves. We see this mark of humility in Peter's response to Jesus after this miraculous catch of fish. Uh, You can picture the scene. They've they've let down the nets and before long they're bulging with fish, almost bursting at the seams. They haul the nets into the boats and the boats can barely stay afloat under the weight of them. And then we read in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. I remember hearing a preacher speaking on this passage and he imagined what Simon Peter might have thought at this point. What might have gone through his mind? Just think, Peter was running a fishing business with James and John and here's this man who is able to oversee huge hauls of fish just at will. He might have thought to himself, Jesus, come on, let's talk business. We'll cut you in 25% of the profits if you come out fishing with us once a week. You can imagine it, can't you? You can also imagine that he might well have just thrown his hands up in the air and said, oh, come on, we've been out here toiling all night and nothing, and this guy comes along and by some fluke finds all the fish in one spot. But he doesn't respond in those ways. He responds by falling to his knees before Jesus. What was it that brought Peter to his knees? What was it that humbled him? What was it that so filled him with awe that he knew the only right response was to take up a posture of worship on his knees? You know, there there are New Testament scholars who try to categorise Jesus' miracles, to place them in different categories. And there's some, there's some use to that. They, they debate, actually, whether this miracle, this miraculous catch of fish in Luke 5, was a miracle of willpower. So, so did Jesus will that the fish would, at that moment, swim into the nets? Or was it a miracle of knowledge? Did Jesus miraculously know somehow that the fish were there and so he knew that if he was to tell these fishermen to lower their nets in that location, they'd bring in this huge catch, this huge catch, a miracle of willpower or a miracle of knowledge. But what brought Peter to his knees wasn't the nature of the miracle he'd just witnessed. What brought Peter to his knees was the nature of the person stood before him. Just as when Isaiah was faced with a transcendent Lord sat on his throne and he cried out, woe is me. So here, faced with the transcendent Lord, stood in his boat, Peter says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Luke is highlighting this response from Peter is the right response to who Jesus is. In the same way, earlier in his gospel, Luke had held out Mary, Jesus' mother, as an example to us in in how to respond to the Lord 
who's a woman of faith. Here, at this point in his gospel, his camera switches to Peter, his lens focuses in on Peter, and he's there on his knees, aware of his sinfulness when faced with who Jesus is. That is how we ought to each respond to Jesus, Luke is showing us. And that posture, that humility, is to stay with us and to characterise us as we engage in the mission of the church, as we reach out with the gospel. One Bible commentator, Dale Ralph Davis, writes, Our culture is so bent on how well you can strut, not how quickly you can kneel. And that's true, isn't it? Yet, here we are, as God's people, sharing in the commission of the disciples to be fishers of men, building on the foundations that have been laid by the apostles, and we're to display the humility that we see here in Simon Peter as we do that. At this church, Trinity, is what's usually called a church plant, a new church, <coughs> excuse me, starting from scratch. And when I've spoken to church planters and read people who've written on church planting, come across people observing a common mistake that church planters can make. People say that it's quite common for a church planter, as he's preparing to plant the church, to think that what the world really needs is him. What the world needs is his model of church, his particular emphasis in ministry, his preaching, his knowledge, and so on. But that attitude is not in line with the humility that ought to characterise us in mission. You sometimes see it, I think, in evangelism in a church. A Christian is is zealous, eager to go and and to share the gospel and and to lead the church in the church's outreach. And we should give thanks for that zeal. It, It can be a really good thing, but sometimes it can be misplaced. And that person can begin to think that what the church really needs is just to get on board with that person's ideas. What the community around the church really needs is that person's model for evangelism. And the humility that we see here in Simon Peter seems to be missing. I am quite certain that what Chester needs is not me to plant a church, nor us as the particular congregation of this church plant, as though there was something uniquely special about us. But I do believe that Chester needs the church. And that Chester needs the church to take seriously its mission to go and gather people in. On my part, I believe that God has called me to that task of church planting. The church, the wider church has sent me to do it. And so on my part, I must go and I must get to work in this church planting mission. But what Luke 5 teaches me, as it teaches all of us is that I and we, we must go humbly on our knees before the Lord.
same is true for each one of us. As a Christian, you've been brought into the church. You've been brought into the body of people belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as part of the church, you now receive this commission too, to go and call others into the church, to gather others in and call them to worship the Lord Jesus. But as you go about that commission in whatever particular context you're in as an individual, a Christian among non-Christian family members, a Christian among non-Christian classmates, a Christian among non-Christian colleagues, neighbours, friends. As you go about this commission, you need to go about it humbly. As you invite people to church, as you speak with people, as you field questions from people, as you face objections, there ought to be no sense of superiority about you. As though what non-Christians need is you. But there should be this humility about you. After all, when you think about it, that is what we're calling non-Christians to do when we go out in mission. We're calling them to come and humble themselves and to kneel before their maker. So there's a horrible, horrible hypocrisy to us if we're calling others to bow while we're standing proud ourselves. That's what mission is, that's how we do it. Thirdly, finally, briefly, why is it possible? Why, why, how can we do this? If our mission is to go and gather the nations into the church, if the way that we're to do that is with humility and with a great sense of our dependence on the Lord Jesus, how do we know that this mission is even at all possible? How can we do it? Well, there's one key feature of this passage that we've not looked at in great detail, and it's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who initiates this event. After he's finished teaching the crowd, he says to Peter in verse 4, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus is the one who gets the ball rolling. And Simon's reply, however we understand his tone, is on the surface another exemplary response from him master we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word i will let down the nets luke records the account in such a way that after peter says that nobody else speaks until peter is on his knees before jesus jesus gives the word peter takes him at his word and then unfolds this paradigm-shifting event that sets Peter on the trajectory to becoming one of Christ's appointed founders of the church. And all of this was made possible because Jesus spoke. How can we possibly engage in this mission? Because Christ has spoken. When we feel our inadequacy for the task, when we're so aware of our own sinfulness and we ourselves are on our knees before Jesus, how is it even, even possible that we go out and seek to gather others in? It's because the word of Jesus comes to us as it did to Peter. And he says, do not be afraid. These words are gracious words that Jesus speaks to Peter. Here, here is Peter, just think of him. He, he's overwhelmed by his own sinfulness, so much so that he can only ask Jesus to go away and leave his presence. And Jesus says to him, 
do not be afraid. It's as if he says to him, this, Peter, is the right response. This is the only way you can embark upon the mission I'm calling you into. And these words that that give Peter the confidence to take up the commission given to him are the very words of the gospel. When a person is broken under the weight of the guilt and the shame of their sinfulness, the word of God comes and says, do not be afraid, peace. How is it that Jesus could speak words of peace to Peter? It was because Jesus knew that he would soon set his face towards Jerusalem in Luke's language. And in Jerusalem, there would be a commissioning ceremony for Simon Peter and the apostles and for the church. Over the weekend, we said at the beginning in our denomination, in our presbytery, we had the joy of seeing two men approved for ordination as ministers in the church. That means that they're to be set apart for a particular role in the church's mission, the role of overseeing and shepherding God's people. And at some point in the future, there'll be a service held in which these men will be formally ordained. And an ordination service is, in a sense, a commissioning ceremony. These men will be commissioned formally to go and carry out their work in the church. And they'll make vows to commit themselves to carrying out the work in a certain way. But the commissioning ceremony that was soon to take place in Luke's Gospel, it wouldn't be one where Simon Peter and the apostles would be called up called upon to make vows. It wouldn't be one where Simon Peter and the apostles would make a pledge of loyalty to Jesus and his mission. But rather the commissioning ceremony would be one where Jesus would be the one making a commitment. He would be the one giving himself to a particular work. In his death, Jesus, as it were, made the pledge... This is my life, and I'm giving it for you. And in giving himself up to death on the cross, Jesus was taking upon himself our sinfulness. He took upon himself everything that would keep us from being able to exist in his presence. Everything that would cause us to say to him, depart from me, for I'm a sinful human being. And having taken all of our sinfulness upon himself and having carried it to his death, He then rises to new life and in the resurrection, he says to us, do not be afraid. And when we hear those words, when we're assured of peace with God through Jesus Christ, we begin to realise that we can follow Jesus in his mission of gathering others into his church. We can call on others to come and bow before the Lord Jesus, not because of anything within us that makes us worthy of the mission, but because the Lord Jesus has spoken his words of peace to us and has spoken his words of commission. Follow me. And so this passage ends with Simon, James and John, these early disciples, leaving everything and following Jesus. And in one very real sense, you and I are to do the same. We need to follow Jesus, no matter what it costs, 
We need to take him at his word. And we have to take him at his word that we as his followers have no need to be afraid. Because we have peace with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the Connect page on our website, trinitychester.church forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.